Amen. Uh, turn with me to Nehemiah chapter 8. Nehemiah chapter 8. I remember a number of years ago going through kind of a desert time in my spiritual life. And um, what a wonderful thing when you, when you reach the end of a desert period of your life and you're walking once again. Uh, in sweet fellowship with the Lord. And you know what I found is when I, when I confessed my sin, when I got things right with the Lord, the sweetness was back. And uh, God is true to His Word. And I, I'm so grateful for that. Um, desert times cause us to hunger and thirst for the things of God. Um, you know, I'm convinced that people do have a hungering and a thirsting for God, even if they don't know that that's what it is in their life. There is a, a God-shaped vacuum, as uh, Augustine said, that, that only God can fill. Uh, and, and, and this need of the heart is, is, uh, is, is everywhere, and, uh, and people experience it all over the world. Uh, only Jesus can satisfy the human soul. And uh, this scripture that we're looking at tonight, uh, they've rebuilt the wall. The wall is finished, but guess what? Your walk with God is about more than just a building. It's about a living relationship with Jesus Christ. And so the people are hungry. And they come uh, to Nehemiah and to Ezra, and they say, Look, we want to hear the Word of God. We want the, the Word of God to be read to us and to be explained. And we need a fresh touch from God. Isn't that refreshing? When the people are hungering and thirsting for the things of God, uh, Jesus said, blessed are they who hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Uh, so this is, this is what's going on, and uh, we need to find that spiritual renewal that God has for us um, through His Spirit and through His Word. Uh, and the title of my message is Finding Spiritual Renewal. And uh, I'm going to read the last part uh, of the verse right before chapter 8 starts. And, and then we'll continue on. It says, When the seventh month came, and the Israelites had settled in their towns, all the people gathered together at the square in front of the water gate, and they asked Ezra the scribe to bring the book of the law that Moses of Moses that the Lord had given to Israel. On the first day of the seventh month, the priest Ezra brought the law before the assembly of men, women, and all who could listen with understanding. While he was facing the square in front of the water gate, he read out of it from daybreak until noon before the men, the women, and those who could understand. All the people listened attentively to the book of the law. The scribe Ezra stood on a high wooden platform made for this purpose. Uh, Mattathiah, Shema, Ananiah, Uriah, Hilkiah, and Maaseah, uh, stood beside him on his right, and to his left were Padiah and Mishael, uh, Malchijah, uh, Hashem, Hashbadana, uh, Zechariah, and Meshulam. Ezra opened the book in full view of all the people, since he was elevated above everyone. As he opened it, all the people stood up. Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God, and with their hands uplifted, all the people said, Amen. Amen. Then they knelt low and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. Jeshua, Bani, Sherebiah, uh, 
uh, Jamin, Akub, Shabbatai, uh, Hodiah, Messiah, Kalita, Azariah, Jazabad, Hanan, and Peliah, who were Levites, explained the law to the people as they stood in their places. They read out of the book of the law of God, translating it and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was read. Nehemiah the governor, Ezra the priest and scribe, and the Levites who were instructing the people said to all of them, This is a day holy to the Lord your God. Don't mourn or weep, for all the people were weeping as they heard the words of the law. Then he said to them, Go and eat what is rich, drink what is sweet, and send portions to those who have nothing prepared, since today is holy to our Lord. Do not grieve, because the joy of the Lord is your strength. And the Levites quieted all the people, saying, Be still, since today is holy. Don't grieve. Then all the people began to eat and drink, send portions, and have great celebration, because they had understood the words that were explained to them. <clears throat> so finding spiritual renewal, how do we do that? Well, first of all, you need to satisfy your hunger. Satisfy your hunger. In, uh, in verse 1, they asked the scribe Ezra to bring the book of the law of Moses that the Lord had given Israel. They were hungry for the word of God. That would be a good prayer to ask God. If you're not hungry for God's word, probably you are since you're here on Sunday night. But if you're not, uh, say, Lord, uh, help me to have a hungering and a thirsting for your word. That's a great prayer to pray for your children, for your grandchildren, or whoever you may know in your family as well. God, give us a hunger. Pray for this church. Wouldn't that be great to have a whole church full of people that are hungering and thirsting after God's word and after God's heart? Uh, so you satisfy that spiritual hunger with the word of God. Now, God's word uh, sometimes can be difficult to understand. And, and they had people that, that were there to explain it. We'll talk about that a little bit. But um, uh, I remember as a, a young boy uh, reading through parts of the Scripture and just really not having a clue about most of it. And maybe there would be one thing that would stand out to me. Uh, but, uh, but I persisted, and I was helped, uh, helped by a, a deal my dad made with me. He said, Roger, if you'll read through the Bible, uh, I will give you $50. And so that was a high motivation for me, and I began to read. And boy, I did some hard uh, trudging through Leviticus and some of those places like that. And, uh, but, but what a blessing. I got to the end of it. It took me a few years to do it. And true to his word, he gave me $50. And I don't even remember how I spent it. But you know what I do remember? I remember getting to know God's word better. And uh, you know what I found? God's word is so rich and so good. And uh, it, it has the ability to challenge us when we need challenge. It has the ability to encourage us when we need encouragement. To instruct us. To provide wisdom. And... Um, Ezekiel and, and then uh, also uh, the Apostle John talk about eating the scroll. You know, in the, in the vision, they eat the scroll, and the, the scroll in their mouth is sweet, but it's also bitter. Have you ever had that experience? You read the Word of God, and you don't like it too much because you resemble the remark. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I've, I've been there where I'm uncomfortable. 
um, Clifford Wilson, who used to be in this church, once told somebody, he said, he said, uh, listen, if your preacher doesn't make you uncomfortable and say things you don't like occasionally, he may not be doing you any good. Uh, the truth is, God's Word at times can be bitter for us uh, because it challenges us, but it's also sweet. And as we satisfy our hunger with God's Word, He will change us into the likeness of Christ. Um, and so, uh, this is such an important thing. And the revivals of history have been centered around a call back to the Lord, often a call to repentance, uh, much like you see here in this very chapter. Uh, these, these are the returned captives. They've come back from captivity. They've come back uh, from being disciplined and judged for their sin. And now they are once again seeking the face of God. What a hope. What an exciting thing to think about. Oh, that that would happen for our country. That we'd once again seek the face of the Lord Jesus Christ. But this is what they're being called to do, and, this, and the people are hungry. It says all the people. One of the things that stood out to me as I was studying the scripture this week is the, the repeated use of the word all, 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 all. I think this is specifically a result of the prayers of certain people of God, such as Daniel, who prayed for the return of the captives. And one of the conditions for the return of the captives was that they would call upon the name of the Lord. So I think God is renewing the people, and He's doing so in answer to prayer, and He's doing so through the Word of God. And now these folks are coming together, moved by the Spirit of God, and they have a hunger for the Word of God, and that is a good place to be. I remember uh, years ago going to a church where the pastor did not believe the Word of God. Um, he didn't say so, okay? But I noticed what he would do, and this was while I was in the military, I noticed he would read a verse of Scripture right at the beginning, and then he'd go on to say a bunch of stuff that was totally unrelated to that verse of Scripture. Well, after I'd heard him do that 20 or 30 times, I began to wonder, does this guy believe the Bible? Because he's not talking about the Bible. He's not emphasizing the Bible. He was very eloquent. He was a great speaker. But the problem was he wasn't speaking the Word of God. And you know what I found? I found that my spiritual life suffered during that time. I was having my personal quiet time. But there's something about hearing the Word of God uh, preached that is so important. And... Um, it, it does. It, there's a power to God's word in our personal life, but also in the church. And so, what a great thing! They're they're hungry for the word of God. So satisfy your hunger with the word of God. That's a great step to take towards spiritual renewal. By the way, when I got into a church where the Bible was preached, it made a difference in my spiritual life. I could tell a difference in my walk with God. So satisfy your hunger. Uh, secondly. How do, you, how do you find spiritual renewal? Satisfy your hunger. Renew your surrender. Renew your surrender. We talked a little bit about this this morning, but look at verse 2. On the first day of the seventh month. On the first day of the seventh month. Why is that important? Well, for the Jewish people, the first day of the seventh month was what we know as Rosh Hashanah. 
the head of the years of the Jewish people. It's a, a celebration. Uh, the Bible doesn't call it that. The Bible calls it uh, the Feast of Trumpets. And uh, this was a day uh, to celebrate the beginning of a new year, but also a day to blow the trumpets in Zion. Now, um, I think that's an anticipation of Jesus coming in the future. By the way, they associate that today with the coming of the Messiah. I was reading a, reading something today uh, that... Uh, that they were describing what the Jews do. They blow the trumpets to confuse the devil because, so he'll wonder whether or not the Messiah has come. <laughs> but uh, but uh, this, is, this is an expectation, but it's also a time of self-examination. And uh, shortly after the Feast of Trumpets was the Day of Atonement, just 10 days later, where they would fast as a people, and they would search their hearts, and they would confess their sin, and they would repent of their sin. Shortly after that was the Feast of Booths, or the Feast of Tabernacles, uh, where they would remember their time in the wilderness in anticipation of the promised land. Uh, it became a future expectation of the coming of the Messiah. They recognized that being in the promised land was not all God had for them, uh, God had a future time of restoration that was going to come through the agency of the Messiah. And Jesus Christ, we know, is that Messiah who's going to come one day and usher in a peaceable kingdom. And uh, what a day that's going to be. And so, uh, but, but this was a time of self-examination, a time of repentance, a time of surrender. Every seven years, they were called to read during the Feast of Booths uh, the, the law of God. This was part of what Moses and, uh, of course, God through Moses commanded the people to do. That's exactly what you find here. And so uh, they, they were being called to renew their surrender to God. Okay? Um, some believe that this looks forward to the end times. The trumpets uh, will, will usher in the rapture of God's church. Uh, and the people of Israel will have a time of repentance. Uh, as Zechariah says, they will look on him whom they have pierced and they will mourn because of him. And so all Israel will be saved. Uh, and then, of course, with the feast of booze, uh, they would be entering the time of the, the uh, ultimate promised land that God has promised in the end time. So um, <clears throat> this is a, a preparation for today in the surrender of our hearts to the Lord, but also in anticipation of the future. By the way, do you know that it's worth it to surrender to the Lord Jesus Christ? You can't outgive God. If you serve him here, he'll reward you there. <laughs> so you can surrender to him now in anticipation of what he's going to do. Listen, we don't know what our surrender and our obedience will do here. God will use us, but we're not sure of the extent of all that. But we do know that God will reward us for the things that we do here every single time because he's promised to do so. And so that's going to be a great time. 
Uh, but, but part of spiritual renewal is to renew your surrender. Until you renew that surrender, uh, then that, that sweetness of fellowship doesn't come back. And I, I can remember, I mentioned that time in my own life, coming to a time of surrender. Lord, I, I was upset at God because he wasn't doing things the way I thought he ought to do it in my life. And I just kind of said, Lord, whatever you want to do in my life, I, I surrender to it. It's not what I had planned, but I surrender. You know, it, it's amazing uh, how God met me where I was when I surrendered my will to him. So, finding spiritual renewal, how do you do it? You need to satisfy your hunger. You need to renew your surrender. Thirdly, you need to praise your God. Look at verse 6. Ezra blessed the Lord, the great God. And with their hands uplifted, all the people said, Amen. Amen. Then they knelt low and worshipped the Lord with their faces to the ground. He blessed the Lord, the great God. Did you know that you can bless the Lord? We know he blesses us. What a wonderful thing. But you can bless the Lord through your praise and thanksgiving. God delights in it. It is a sweet gift. We bring the sacrifice of praise into the house of the Lord. Uh, This is a, a gift that we offer up to our Lord to honor his name. They did so, and they responded to him. You know, uh, I don't believe in emotionalism for emotionalism's sake, okay? I don't try to whip people up into a frenzy, okay? Uh, but emotions are from God, right? So if, if my heart is moved in my spirit, uh, if, if my uh, soul is moved, my mind and my will and my emotions, all of that works together. I'm a, I'm a being that God has created with all these different aspects of my character, it makes sense that at times I will be moved in my heart as I consider the things of God. And nothing wrong with that. And, and the people, are they're raising their hands and they're, they're praising God, they're honoring God, but then they also are bowing their heads to the ground in brokenness and humility before the, the Lord God. Uh, I had a, a deacon in a former church that used to tell me the problem with some people is you can't, they can't bend at the knees. Uh, you know, if, if people are too proud to, to bend the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ, there's something wrong. Uh, we've got to humble ourselves. Uh, and, and that's indeed what uh, God told the people of Israel in uh, 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. If you'll humble yourself and pray and seek my face and turn from your wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and then forgive sin and heal your land. Uh, so, praise your God. That That is... That may seem an odd thing for spiritual renewal, but it is. It's so true. Uh, as you genuinely worship God from your heart, you say, well, do I, what do I have to do? Do I have to do something outward? No. If you don't, I mean, if it doesn't fit your personality, you know, some people are more expressive than others. Do what is genuine to you, okay? Just do what is genuine to you. Um, some, you know, your kids will respond differently, right? Uh they're, each one is different. They have a, a different way that they're wired. And uh, one may get all excited about something. And the other one may think, well, why are we doing this? You know? And so uh, the responses are different. And our responses to God will be different. And that's okay. Uh, but, but genuinely worship God. And, and it's okay for emotion to enter the picture. It's okay for somebody to get down on their knees. If you got down, you, you say, well, well, the pastor didn't say get down on your knees. That's okay. If you feel uh, 
moved by God and you want to get down on your knees, you want to step out in that aisle and get down on your knees and pray or you want to come to this altar, more power to you. Um, uh, I remember years ago uh, being in a youth crusade and uh, the, the evangelist said, why are you looking over at your neighbor to see what they're doing? Who are you doing this for? Are you doing this to please your neighbor or are you doing this to please God? And that really is the heart of the matter, isn't it? Uh, sometimes we well, I don't want to lift a hand. What will people think? Or I don't want to say amen because somebody may think I am speaking out of turn. And there are a few people that I've had uh, speak against those things. But, you know, it doesn't really matter what people think it matters that we're responding to God in genuineness from our hearts and so praise and thanksgiving is a great way to express our heart to God uh, and is part of spiritual renewal and if you look at the great awakenings of the past um, emotion is usually moved okay and people respond to God in genuineness and sometimes it's in very great conviction and, uh, and with tears and brokenness over sin, much as we see here in this very chapter. But, um, but they respond to the Lord. So, so praise your God. Now, by the way, did you know this nation, if this nation doesn't repent and turn to the Lord, this church can repent and turn to the Lord. Did you know if this church doesn't repent and turn to the Lord? Your family can repent and turn to the Lord. Did you know if your family doesn't repent and turn to the Lord? You can repent and turn to the Lord, right? So, uh, you, you know, revival, sometimes we think of revival as being a corporate thing. And, you, you know, the great revivals of history that we remember are corporate things. And that's what we desire. But you can have renewal with God even if everybody else is not having renewal with God. Because it is a personal decision that you make between you and your God. So um, praise is a great way to do that. Um, and I, I have sensed God's, God's presence uh, in, in praise and thanksgiving, possibly more than anything else on a consistent basis in, in my life. And so finding spiritual renewal, how do you do it? Satisfy your hunger, renew your surrender, praise your God, uh, receive your explanation. Uh, Verses 7 and 8, uh, they give a long list of names in verse 7. It said, and they, these Levites explained the law to the people as they stood in their places. They read out of the book of the law of God, translating and giving the meaning so that the people could understand what was read. You say, well, why do they need to translate? I thought they all spoke Hebrew. Well, they needed to translate because Hebrew was no longer the spoken language of the people. They'd been in captivity, and Aramaic was the language of the captivity. So they are uh, translating and giving the meaning of the Scripture to the people so they could understand what was read. So um, you, you seek God's Word in your personal life, but you also need to seek the explanation of Scripture um, in a local church setting. Uh, that is so important. Um, we need to hear the Word of God preached and proclaimed. You need it. I need it. Guess what? Uh, I listen 
I listen to preachers too, okay? Just FYI. Uh, and, and sometimes I'll go away on a retreat, and I'll listen to somebody else, and it refreshes me. We all need that. We all need the input, and, and we need uh, other believers to speak into our lives. And we can do that, and in, in Sunday school is a great place to do that as well because you can converse and discuss the things of God. But um, we need that input and that explanation. And this is exactly what they found. They found faithful explanation of the Scriptures. Now, there's balance with this. Okay, um, the gift of teaching, the gift of pastor teacher, is something that God has ordained for His people. However, you need to be careful with that, and you need to measure what is being said by the Word of God. Okay, so if uh, if you're being told uh, to do something that directly contradicts the Word of God, or even goes against the spirit of what God has said in his word, you need to listen to the word of God before you listen to the preacher. Okay? Uh, the, word of, the word of God, or, or as one of my professors used to say, the text is king. Uh, I like that. Uh, what God has said is first. What the preacher says is below that. Okay? <laughs> and so uh, I want to rightly divide God's word of truth, but, uh, but that, that is the balance. And and we need to have that discernment. So look at the context of a verse of Scripture. Usually that will tell you. You don't have to have a degree in Greek or Hebrew uh, to, to understand the basic meaning of Scripture. I mean, it, if you look at the context, you can, you can figure it out. Um, and so uh, look at the context of the, the chapter or maybe a couple of chapters. Look at the context of a book of the Bible. Um, Look at the context of the Bible as a whole. And God doesn't contradict himself. He's consistent. Uh, there may be some things that are hard to understand in God's word, but they're consistent. So, um, but receive uh, your explanation because that is part of the way God has designed the church and his people to function. And it is part of what spiritual renewal involves. Um, how shall they hear without a preacher? That's what Romans says, right? So that's what God has designed. And whether that's a teacher in a Sunday school class, whether that's a preacher uh, in the pulpit, or whether that's a faithful Christian sharing the truth of God with somebody who's lost, uh, you know, that, that is part of God's plan. So uh, finding spiritual renewal, how do you do it? You satisfy your hunger, you renew your surrender, you praise your God, you receive your explanation, you replace your grief. Now, I love this. Uh, if you look in, uh, in verses uh, 9 through 12, uh, they begin to tell the people, they're all weeping. They're, they're hearing the law, and what does the law do? It confronts sin, right? These are the, the objective moral standards of God. If you look at the Ten Commandments, um, if, you, if you go through the Ten Commandments and then you look at what Jesus said about the Ten Commandments, uh, all of us have blown it uh, so utterly uh, when just looking at the Ten Commandments, but if you take into account the rest of the law, the moral law of God, we've all failed miserably. And the people recognize that, and they began to just weep. They were under conviction. They were broken over their sin, which is a good thing. Okay? They're not denying that that is a good thing. Um, 
elsewhere in Scripture, prophets call for that. They say, weep, mourn, and wail over your sin. Uh, be broken over your sin. James says that in, in the book of James, right? He says, uh, let your joy be turned to gloom and your laughing, laughter to mourning. Uh, uh, humble yourself on the side of God and he will lift you up. And so uh, there is a call to be broken over sin. Uh, that is something that could be uh, restored in our nation today. I think that's something that's desperately needed. But they don't stop there. They redirect the people's attention to the joy that they should be experiencing. Did you know God doesn't show us our sins so that we can wallow around in the misery of being unworthy? He shows us our sin so that we can look to Jesus. <laughs> and find the forgiveness and redemption and hope that there is in Jesus Christ. God, God doesn't call you to, to go around saying, well, I'm just a worm, I can't live the Christian life, I'm just unworthy. Well, of course you're unworthy. But Jesus Christ is worthy in your place, and the righteousness of Jesus Christ has been credited to you, and your sin has been placed on Jesus Christ, and the price has been paid. So when God shows you your sin, confess it to him, repent of it, yes. But don't stay there. Move on and enjoy the grace of God. Uh, the people say, look, this is a day of rejoicing. Jesus is coming. That's what the Feast of Trumpets represents. Jesus is coming, the trumpet's going to sound, and one day, the redeemed and the blood-bought of Jesus Christ are going to rise up to meet him in the air. <laughs> what a day that's going to be, and we'll never have to deal with sin again. Won't that be a great day? Jesus is coming. One day, the struggle will be over. Lift up your head. Look up. Your redemption draws near. I love what verse 10 says. It says, do not grieve because the joy of the Lord is your strength. Um, they are called to replace their grief with God's joy. Jesus said, I've come that you might have life and have it abundantly. Um, Peter said this in 1 Peter 1. He said, uh, we have joy unspeakable and full of glory because we're receiving the benefits of the salvation that Jesus has brought to us. Uh, this is what the Christian life is about. God is so good to us. Uh, he has made a way to deal with the problem of our sin. Uh, and when we come by faith in Jesus Christ, he adopts us into his family, makes us his sons and daughters. Um, he blots out the handwriting that was against us, as Colossians tells us. Um, he begins to fulfill his purpose for us, and he holds us in and says, I love what Jesus says, no one can pluck them out of my hand. 
That has comforted me many times because guess what? That means I can't even pluck myself out of his hands. I'm secure in the hands of Jesus Christ. Why? The price has been paid. So we, we don't come hanging our heads into the presence of God. Now, I have done that, okay, but that's not how I'm supposed to come. What does Jesus tell us? The book of Hebrews says that the, the veil has been ripped, that the way has been made open. Jesus Christ has gone in ahead of us. Listen, I can have confidence because Jesus Christ has gone in ahead of me with the, with the blood of the sacrifice. The Father sees the nail scars as I come into his presence. But we're to go to the presence of God boldly. Listen, they were broken over their sin, and that was a good thing, but they didn't need to stay there. They needed to move on to the joy of the Lord, which was their strength. And they needed to worship, and they needed to rejoice in the Lord and rejoice in what he had done and rejoice in the future that was coming. Jesus is coming. There's going to be a day when all of this mess will be over. And we will enter into the heritage that God has prepared for us. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again. And I will receive you to myself. That where I am, there you may be also. This is our heritage. We're the people of God. We're just passing through this place. We're here for a short time. This life is a vapor. Eternity is forever. One day I'm going to enter the heritage of my, my Lord, <laughs> the joy of my Lord forevermore. There'll be no tears or sorrow in that place, no death, no mourning or crying or pain, for the former things have passed away. He who is seated on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. <laughs> so Paul says, Forgetting those things which are behind, I press toward the mark of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Aren't you glad that our past is past? That it's under the blood of Jesus? Aren't you glad that our future is secure? You see, as they celebrated these feasts, it was to anticipate the time of Jesus coming. The time when he would come to change things and make things new. In his first coming, he dealt with the problem of sin. In his second coming... He'll bring the rewards that we're expecting, and what a day that will be. Uh, spiritual renewal comes when we have the faith to believe that God will do what he says he will do, that he will expunge the record of our sin, that he will receive us. I love what Romans 5 says, uh, uh, since we have now been reconciled to him through the death of his son, how much more having been reconciled shall we be saved through his life? God has reconciled us. Now, you and I don't have the power to reconcile ourselves. God has reconciled. I, you know, you can apologize to another human being, right? You can try to make a relationship right, and we need to do that. But the problem was so great, we could not reconcile ourselves to God. Jesus had to do it for us. But God in Christ has reconciled us. And that song Philip used uh, tonight, um, he became sin who knew no sin. That's right out of the Bible, by the way. He became sin who knew no sin, that we might become the righteousness of God in him. Listen, I don't come before the presence of God based on my own righteousness. 
I come because I'm clothed in the pristine, perfect righteousness of my Savior, Jesus Christ. And by the way, I, I remind the devil of that every once in a while when he comes to remind me about my past. I'll say, yeah, you're right. I've failed. I've blown it. But I belong to Jesus Christ. I'm clothed in his righteousness. Find fault with that if you can, devil. <laughs> I'm about to get excited here. Okay. Um, this is the heritage of God's people. And so spiritual renewal, the goal of spiritual renewal is so that we can walk in God's joy and the fullness of the abundant life. Uh, this is why we should hunger and thirst after the things of God and after the spiritual renewal that he longs to provide for each and every one of us. Um, how do we find this spiritual renewal? Satisfy your hunger, renew your surrender, praise your God, receive your explanation, and replace your grief. I could probably add another one. Look ahead. Look ahead. Jesus is coming. Uh, this is, is what helps us to walk in the renewal of the Lord. Uh, praise God, His mercies are new every morning. Every day we awake, there's new grace and new mercy for us and new hope. Uh, I had a friend in Texas, I, whenever I asked him how he was doing, he'd say, this is the best day I've ever lived. He said, it's one day closer to Jesus coming. I love that. Uh, that is, is the perspective of uh, the child of God who's walking in his hope. <clears throat> Find that spiritual renewal, and as we do, he will walk with us through the difficulties of this life, but he'll also remind us this life is not all there is. He has made a place for us, and one day we'll go in there, and one day this, all this mess will be over, and what a day that will be. Let's pray. Father, thank you uh, for your word. Help us find this spiritual renewal, Lord, in our personal lives, God, in our families, in this church, in this nation. Lord, let people all over this world cry out to Jesus Christ, and let us...